0: Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.
1: Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Sometimes you've got to have faith when the Empire strikes back, knowing that the force awakens and eventually you will have freedom. Friday night saw the Raw face of Wanderers in a game where both sides were looking for one more try at sweet revenge, but had to settle for a 1-1 draw. The fans in attendance asked players to wake me up before you go-go to half-time in an uneventful opening period, Corey Brown gave Raw fans a new hope of an extra goal scoring threat by finishing off a Thomas Broich cross, calling out, I knew you were waiting for me to get the ball to the back post. Western Sydney would strike back soon thanks to some patience and a dim-ass free kick that I think was amazing. Before full-time, Brendan Santelab was wondering why I can't make you love me, but his red card for violent conduct might provide a worthwhile explanation. Welcome to the Chris Grossman episode 13 of the Brisbane Football Review. I'm James Coglin here to host the show and I'm joined by our own set of Blues Brothers, Scott Owen and Adam Pace. It was a busy festive period for all involved. How are we feeling afterwards, Scott?
2: Yeah, busy Christmas as always, James. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. What do you think? Adam, how are you
1: going?
0: Yeah, good. Uh, good afternoon, uh, James and Scotty in New Orleans. So, yeah, it's been a good Christmas period, and uh, hopefully, yeah, it should be uh, more football the better.
1: Yes, of course, that intro was a little tribute to George Michael and Carrie Fisher, so... Yeah, it was an interesting game on Friday night. We've got a packed show for you, so let's get right into it. Overall, I thought the Roar and the Wanderers played out a pretty sloppy game. Neither team was really able to make the most of their opportunities. Scott, what did you take away from it?
2: Yeah, I know we've got it on the rundown later on, but the playing surface played into that sloppiness. I thought the first half, they were feeling each other out on the, the playing surface. Like, How do you how do you deal with that? The second half was good. I thought there was plenty of chances in the second half, and the Roar probably should have won it in truth in the end. I mean, the chances they had. Patrados on the goal line or whatever it was, and McLaren with a couple of chances.
1: It did look a little bit like a newborn deer trying to find its footing on a fresh coat yeah. of ice. Adam, what did you take away from it?
0: Oh, look, I think uh, Roar are sort of on track at the moment. Like Wanderers, I guess the results aren't sort of pitching where they want, where they should be. But, you know, I think it was two very even sides, and that could have gone either way in the end. So I think it was a good point, and, uh, and as well, we sort of entrenched in the top four.
1: See, the Roar seemed like they were the better side to me, though, and it was just one of those frustrating afternoons we've had a few additions of where a well, frustrating night where the Raw just
2: couldn't quite make the most of things. Yeah, I thought we were the better side. I mean, it's chances again, it's like a couple of games that we've seen. So Adelaide away. Yeah. What was the game last weekend? Um, i blanking now. I'm trying to think. There's, a Coast. Of, there's a couple of games now yeah. we've had this happen. Sydney at home's and along We had a, hun- a bunch of chances we could have won that game as well. I mean, mm. it's becoming a bit of a pattern and maybe, maybe it's worth a bit of concern there.
1: So the... Wasn't a whole lot to talk about from the first half. There was a little bit of a
0: blow-up, though. Adam, did that actually manage to wake you up? Actually, it did. Uh, it was a fair sort of Dower, sort of conservative game until sort of you now a little bit of fracas near the end there. So, so yeah, thank God that did because I think the thirteen thousand attendants were sort of getting a little bit restless before half-time.
2: I think the news breaking on social media about Jamie McLaren also kind of woke everyone up as well. Yeah, you never
1: know about that. Mm. But uh, second half, things got off to a really good start because holy. Yeah, Corey Brown's <laughs> goal.
2: <laughs> but, Switch radio, James, no swearing.
1: I know, that's why I'm being very, very careful here in the Switch 1197 studios. It was a yeah, phenomenal pass from Thomas Breuch, picked out Corey Brown at the back post, and phenomenal volley to get past the keeper. Oh,
0: look, I think if there's any player, I guess it's the most improved hands down, it's Corey Brown. That, that shot just shows what confidence he is having at the moment, because that was an absolute crack of a goal.
2: Bit of a throwback as well, actually. That's the kind of run he was making in his National Youth League days from the left, left side. It's always a left winger when he was playing in that. It's a bit of a throwback. Yeah. Well, and it,
1: like, keep in mind the presence of mind from Broich to actually pick him out as well. Just inch perfect cross. I think that's something that a lot of the time would have been caught out by that first defender, but in the end, he was able to get it home.
2: I forget who said this on Twitter, but he would walk into any other A League club, hands down, starting 11. Anyone would be grateful for him.
1: Well, I actually saw that comment. It sparked about a thousand articles across like Fox Sports <laughs> and Outside Ninety and whatnot. So, it must have been pretty good. Unfortunately, though, the Wanderers equaliser was equally as spectacular. Dimas Delgado, you know, struck a free kick right across Michael Theo's face. Adam, we a little bit stunned.
0: I was, but I, I don't know where sort of this whole sort of you know, I think I'm more looking at it as that was just a sensational strike for a free kick. I, I think. At the end of the day, it's it's hard to put you know on Theo you know that it was a you know, he could have done anything about. It. I thought that was actually a world class strike. I think I might be like maybe my lack of sort of overplaying you know, the game might uh, sort of come to the fore there. But uh, yeah, no, I thought that was just a world work goal. Um, the Martinez sort of you know fake sort of may have caused it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I tend to look at that. That's credit to Demas for for a sensational sort of uh, free
2: kick. Yeah, fantastic strike, but I don't know why Jade North fouled him. Was it Sandalye running through? Probably. Yeah, I think he was going away from goal and there were defenders. I thought, just let him go. I don't know why they fouled him there. I thought he could... Theo would have covered the near post. At best, they're going to get a corner. I don't... Just let it go.
1: But see, that's kind of where my criticism of Theo comes And Look, he's been largely phenomenal this year, but that one... That's the side of the goal the keeper said, I'm going to cover. And I think you were right that Nico Martinez fake. That's what really sort of put him... It did, because yeah. if you
2: watch it, Theo made a step towards the near post, and as he's taken that step, d has put it to the far post. So I think they, they got him well with that one, actually.
1: Yeah, you could see his heart sink. <laughs> yeah. like, it, they showed it, I think, in slow motion. You could just see his heart sink as yeah. he saw the ball going into that far corner, going, oh, I'm not going to like watching that in the review session. And
2: Matt McKay on the far post is not going <laughs> to get to anything. <laughs> oh, he might get down to the bottom corner. Maybe.
1: So there was a lot more drama as the game went on. 90th minute, Brendan Santelab got a red card do you feel like it was deserved? Because Fox Sports didn't have a whole lot of re- good replays of it.
0: If it is what they say about use of the elbow and whatnot, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a straight red. You Whether know, sort of what led to that is, is sort of maybe questionable, but you know, what, if the referee interpret as you know it an elbow to the head, it's a straight red. And like he didn't get what he really deserve We actually know, now know what the punishment is. So.
2: And if you look at it, the linesman was right in line with that on that side about five metres away. So he's clearly saw the hand to the face and he's told the referee that and... If that's what he's told, the referee, there's only one choice that he can make there. So. And well,
1: I, I hate calling for players to get sent off, but he could very easily have had a red card with his first booking. I don't booking.
2: mind calling for Sandlab to get sent off, to be honest. Well, yeah,
1: that's because he's a bad person. But <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah, like he had that one where he jumped up and was it, elbowed yeah. Jade North in the face. Yeah, he
2: hadn't learned from the first one, clearly.
1: And look, well, I think you can overpunish that a little bit. I just keep going back to Vinnie Grell, 2007 Asian Cup, got red carded for essentially the exact same thing against yeah. Japan. But... What do I know? I'm just a crazy fan. There's plenty of
2: examples. Well, Adelaide had a player sent off in the grand final of season four as well in the early, early minutes. So there's plenty of examples of players getting sent off for that. So. That would have been uh, Ross off. No, that it was the one. Oh, one no, no, was the, the other the, one. The, other, the second one. I forget who it was. Was it Cristiano? Uh, Probably. Someone oh, us oh, yeah. in the comments. No, so.
0: there's another grand final that Ross Eloise got sent off. <laughs> and we know the rest is history. Just ask Arthur Thompson. Yeah.
1: But, um, yeah, the bands have been announced by the FFA. It's a little bit confusing.
0: So it's three matches all up, I believe. It's... I guess it's, reading the outcome, it is one for the mandatory red card that he got, two for violent conduct, and then he picked up another one-game band for accumulation of five yellow cards. So he's sitting next four out.
1: Has he got a family holiday booked or something?
0: Maybe he's got the same place as what Diego Costa is in there. Oh, he's back
2: now. Is, is that it? his band? Yeah. One match ban. he's good back. Anyway, well, that's Premier League talk. Yeah.
1: yeah. It did. I, don't know, I kind of felt like the Wanderers were pretty happy to settle for a draw, though, especially after Santalab got that okay. red. Do you feel... Fi- you think there were a couple of fairly cynical fouls? I think there's Jack Clisby and Jim Pye just... Jack Clisby players. should
2: have been off too, actually. Well, I thought he should have gone, but...
1: Yeah. And it wasn't Sean for Evans Just
2: of fouls, mm. but...
1: Mm. Now, we're going to talk about the quality of the pitch a little bit later on, but you, I think we can all agree it was absolutely It disgrace. looked like a
2: golf course, James. Like a fairway down the middle on the rough on the sides. <laughs> That's, That's what a, it looked like. What golf course are you playing on? Uh, it, one that it, looks <laughs> very much like that. <laughs> are you curating it yourself? No.
1: <laughs> all right, so... The lack of subs from John Aloisi, I was a little bit, I
0: suppose, confused by that. Do you think he was just trusting the players on the field? I think so. Um, at the end of the day, a coach is not compelled to change his team 60 minutes. In fact, we'd probably all be jumping up and down if he, if he you know, automatically made a change at the 60th minute. You know. So he obviously is feeling sort of the, the sort of fly of the game. I think with that 11 he had out there at the time, I think he thought, you know what, for 87 minutes, that was, that was a team that was going to get the win. So I can't, I can't really criticise him for that.
2: And the truth is, James, the 12 players he'd used in that time, the 11-plus Brill off the bench, that's about the best we had to offer. The other three, Bowles, Pepper, and Arana, they weren't going to add that much. I know Arana came on, but they're, yeah. not, they're not the best of options you could have, to be honest. But surely by now, Arana should be Should be. That but that's going to be a discussion for another day, but I just don't think he's contributed a great deal so far. All
1: right, so I'm just going to go through some quick individual player comments. We had Thomas Christensen. I thought he was aerially dominant and came really close to playing off that miracle 50-metre through ball. I thought he was the best on field.
0: Yeah, no, he's a, he's a number six that you know, we're looking forward to replace Corona. It, no, Drew's still out on whether he's better or, or, or he's whatnot than I
2: Carone, but yeah, I, I think,
0: yeah, but definitely he's a number six you know, as a lock. So,
1: Hopefully he can yeah. stick around longer than one season. Scott, what did you make of Jamie McLaren's performance?
2: I don't know, actually, because it's a weird one. Because... He wasn't at the races, I don't think. Some of those chances, if you want marquee money, you've got to take at least hit the target on those and make make Tyson make a save. To be honest, I'd, I'd, yeah. you have to hit the target there, but I don't know if it's the. Um, if this old member, because uh, we'll talk about it in the next segment, the um, contract stuff came up again in the pregame. I don't know if that's had an impact on him or what. You never know. Adam, what do you think of
0: McLaren? Oh, look, I agree with Scott. We've, we've said it you now ad nauseum on the show, is that you know, simply, you know, if he wants the money that likes Barisha or Fornaroli are going at the moment, he needs to score those and win his games. And that's, and that's um, you know, look, you know, there are great chances, but at the end of the day, he wants marquee money, he's got to win us three points, and they know the opportunities. And it kind of feels like last year he was doing that.
2: Yeah, look at how chances last year I think he would have scored them. That's, that's, I don't know if it's the contract situation or what, he just doesn't seem to be himself at the moment.
1: Now, I'm actually going to take a bit of a shot at Matt Mackay here. I thought he was a little... Be careful.
2: Bit, I, I I thought he had... Send ha- your hate mail too, James <laughs> at
1: imright.com.au <laughs> But, look, I honestly thought he was a little bit too wired for this game. Like, you know how sometimes players get a little bit too fired up, and I thought he was, you know, arguing from the first start, and it kind of led to him overplaying a few passes. He was still running around like a madman, which is what we love about him, but he didn't quite have that restraint that... Yeah he was maybe Again, playing... Is this
2: back to the playing surface give with the passing though?
1: Could be I, it... mean,
2: that's, I mean I'll give him a pass on that one to be honest Oh look if
1: someone came and said nobody was comfortable on that surface I'd give them a pass because yeah. as he said it was a disgrace Now Luke Devere he was came in for a lot of praise after this Adam?
0: Yeah no look he's I think he's becoming the pl- now a player that we hoped you now that he would be two years ago when he came back from Korea and No, he is just dominant at the moment. And as we said in our previews, if he is at his best, the Raw are going to be very, very tough to beat. And it's starting to say, we're we're 10 games unbeaten. So obviously we're going going all right.
2: They're doing something right. I think he's the best centre-back in the league at the moment. That's about the best you can say for him. He's been spectacular for the Raw.
1: And he does deserve the praise that he's been getting right now. All right, so we're going to go quickly around the other A-League results because we've got a jam-packed segment too. So we're going to get this over and done with right now. Uh, Quick hitters, Wellington-Newcastle 2-2.
2: You know, got anything on that? Ah, uh, two mid-table sides fighting for finals, and they might both regret not getting three points at the end of the season.
1: But Andrew Naboo's goal was phenomenal. Yep. Turned around Durante and fired it in.
0: Yeah, no. Look, um, Newcastle—they're they're an interesting team. Like, so they—they, they, I think they—they they, they may put it all together, and they may actually, you know, cause a few strife down lower in the um sort of in the race of the top six. But
2: yeah, no. Uh, overall, yeah, sort
0: of. I think Starmate,
2: I think it's the right word to go for Andrew Hull needs more end product too.
0: <laughs> Alright, so Sydney FC
1: Adelaide. I'm just going to recap a conversation I had with Hugh from Outside90 yesterday. He was saying, you've noticed that the Adelaide players are really dropping their heads and they just haven't quite been able to replace the talent that they've lost and I think that sums it up perfectly.
2: They're a mess, Adelaide, they really are.
1: And I'm very, very nervous about what's
0: going to happen. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think Greg Griffin and Guillermo Moore get the broom out. I think you need to re- rebuild.
2: They've got 10 players out of contract, so it's not too hard to do it. Well, it's a good thing
1: there's a transfer window coming up. All right, now, Melbourne City-Perth last night played out possibly the craziest game in a long time. Well, not possibly. It was the craziest game I've seen in a long time.
2: This year, anyway. Mm.
1: And we honestly could probably do another 10 minutes of that. But instead, what we'll do is direct you to our outside 90 Fan Network colleagues. We've got Talking City and Far Post-Perth. Those guys do a very good job down there. So give them a listen, because that game was insane.
0: It was speechless. So much went on with that.
2: So. That's one of those games I'm glad I was on neutral I don't think I could have taken it if it was the roar involved in that.
1: And that was possibly the best game I've seen Liam Reddy have despite the fact he gave up yeah. three goals. Now, Melbourne Victory and Central Coast Mariners are going to play while I'm editing this show together. So, well done on Melbourne City for the win. That was a very boring draw. Or well done, Central Coast. how
2: City. Had Melbourne City get into this conversation.
1: I'm looking ahead. I can't read. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Melbourne. Victory on the win. I'm not going to worry about editing that up. You know, disappointing draw. Or Central Coast, phenomenal upset. Pick pick whichever uh, phrase applies there. All right, that's going to do it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back with our news, W League and Youth League reviews.
0: You're listening
2: to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
1: Welcome back. It's the Brisbane
3: Football Review powered by Outside90.com.
1: Alright, welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. We're going to do our usual results, updates, and news segment here. Starting off with the W League, the scheduling geniuses at the FFA decided to put the Raw's W League game on at the same time as the A League game.
2: No, it started in half an hour earlier.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Such half a, a
2: difference, yeah.
1: So, yeah, we all saw a whole lot of this game, didn't we guys?
2: Yeah, we saw the goal that the W League social media put out. Other than that, seen absolutely nothing through with this game. As I turn the air conditioner off again. Sorry about that.
1: That's okay. We'll, we'll remember it eventually. I get the feeling you might actually leave it on in the interview we've got coming up as well. So yeah. just, just a psychic prediction.
2: Yeah. Well, but <laughs> all we saw about this W League game is the, is the goal that was scored by Sydney FC, Princess Abini. So that's all we can go with on that, really.
1: Yeah. So and guys, you might, that, have, you might have to move that chair out of the way as yeah, well. I will
2: say that the, the Royal need to start winning in the W League as well if they're going to make the finals. They're kind of getting cut adrift at the moment and on the table. All
1: right, so their next game is New Year's Day against a victory at AJ Kelly Field. That's
2: pretty much a must-win game for them.
1: Hopefully everyone's recovered enough from their New Year's Eve celebrations to drive up there. If not, I'm sure there's a train or something. (laughs) All right, so National Youth League. The rescheduled game was replayed last Thursday night. It went about as badly as possible as the (laughs) Raw lost 4-1 to City with the Joey Katabian uh, consolation goal coming late on. Scott, Adam, you guys were there,
0: I believe? Yeah, we were both there and uh, I can't think we can't wish we weren't because it was... Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, Melbourne, Melbourne City, you know, they, they came up to play. They, they, mm. re- they really looked at our purpose. It was, it was, uh, we commented during the game you know, that that looked like it was the exact reverse of the game that was um, that was rescheduled. That, you know, it was... uh the seemed a little bit disinterested and sort of a little bit off the pace where City were. were actually really good. So, you know, from that point of view, I guess they deserved to win, but... Yeah, the Raw were fairly, you know, they were fairly ordinary. I think they deserved a big beat, beat for one.
2: Yeah, it's a fair, fair result in truth because Melbourne City brought a an intensity and focus about that the Raw just simply didn't match on the night. On the night. I mean, that's were about, they
1: told by the City football group that they wouldn't get Christmas presents if they lost this one?
2: Possibly. I know two of the players who played in that game played last night. Arzani was one of them. I can't remember the name of the other one. But... He scored a great goal, actually, for the, the second one, but it was played off the referee. The Raw were on the, on the attack at the other end. <laughs> it's hit the and on straight down the other end. They've scored. Unbelievable. But I do think that the, the raw kind of... They like, might have got their selections wrong on this because Gattabian was the only striker in the squad. And I, mean, I don't want to give him a hard time, but he missed a lot of chances on the night. And look at the bench, looking for someone to come on. There's only champ just for an attacking input. I mean, maybe you could have had a Harrison Sawyer there to come on, but... It's one of those games. Now the Roar have put themselves in a bad position because they've got to win down in Melbourne, James. Second of Just, January, yeah, is the second next game? of January. They've got to win that game, otherwise the conference is over. Adam.
0: Oh look, I, I um, guess to, to our selections as well is that you know I'm, I'm maybe I'm missed something as far as the rules and regulations, but no, Nick Diastino being being sort of omitted from the youth league and. So being named 17th man for for the uh, the senior side on Friday night, that had a real I think impact because I think a lot of it, a lot of the attack had been driven through him and yeah they, they just weren't the same attacking outfit you know you know with Diego uh, Castino out so look I just wonder what was the point of you know dragging him dragging him into the squad naming him in the senior squad. I'd have him sit out on Thursday night and what was a fairly important game and then sit in not in the match day squad on Friday night. So
2: Yeah, the point Adam raises is an excellent one because Diago has been the standout player in that side so far. And they had Conor O'Toole, who was in the extended A League squad as well, and he dro- did drop back and played. So I'd, maybe they had to keep somebody fresh for the A League squad in case of an injury in the warm up, perhaps. But it just seems strange you wouldn't. I would have played him in this game, to be honest. Did- I think it, it, it may have made a difference, it may not, because Melbourne City played exceptionally well. The oh-by-the-way way been, call That war up. would have been better.
1: Yeah, he was going to be the oh-by-the-way call-up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, someone's busted their hamstring in the warm-up. We need you.
2: And in fairness, I think Katabian has suffered from the exact same scenario a few times this year as well. In that not playing role. So Fair enough. Alright, so we're going to
1: move on to news and reviews. And Nick Meredith reported Friday night that Jamie McLaren is being targeted by Tony Popovich as a new Wanderers marquee striker in place of Kareem Bullet, who was fired today. I mean, he had his release oh, from no. his contract.
0: Yeah,
2: that's uh, the breaking coat, news. your coat, James. <laughs> Here's your coat, hey, <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you. <laughs> 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 He's actually walking yeah, out of here. Hey. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, what were you talking about? Bullet. Oh, Bull- yeah, Bullet <laughs> is gone today. And, um, yeah. well, we no, with McLaren. McLaren, it's not really much of a surprise because we have seen the the McLaren to Wanderers reports in the past. I'm we still waiting for that. that apology. We have <laughs> seen that in the last game against, the, when the Royal and the Wanderers met down in Western Sydney a few weeks ago, that it came out all that week. It's, you can probably expect to see it again in a couple of weeks when the Royal play the Wanderers again.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, sort of, you know, we, well, we broke the story on the, um, sort of during, during the game, actually, on, on our Facebook page, but um, look at, yeah, it looks like it may have been a bit of, you know, sort of mind games or whatnot. Um, I think Vince tweeted after the game that he asked Tony Popovich, you know, whether it's on and apparently Tony Popovich denied it. What do you expect him to say? But
1: Well, he couldn't really say, yes, I'm yeah. targeting him and I'm going to sign him because that would be against the rules. It's,
0: exactly. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's one of those things where, obviously, you know, all the speculation talk may be actually having a, an effect on his perform- James McClane's yeah. performance, so... Look, let's just hope one way or another it's actually sorted out. You know, come you now when the when the window opens on the fourth of January, let's just hope something is settled just so you know, he can get back to playing football and you know and, and whatnot.
2: And it should become as no surprise that Jamie McLaren's getting interest around the league and Well he has been you know, playing quite yeah, well, so just needs a goal scorer and when you're trying to you need you need goal scorers, Particularly West Sydney with Bullet as you mentioned.
1: But the funny thing is though, like McLaren's actually got a pretty good goal scoring record if you look at it on paper, but i'd actually love to see someone talk about his efficiency and you know the number of shots he's taken to shots on target and the ones that have actually been converted because some of his goals have come from the
0: penalty spot as well well yeah and that's thats the thing is as well with Jamie McLaren is that you know while he's got a great record and when I think he had a four four match um, goal scoring streak you know sort of broken on. On Friday night, but uh, look for for you know what he's getting at the moment. He, he's fantastic value, but you now obviously let's talk about marquee money and all that. I think it's a whole different conversation, which we've had you now and, and and whatnot. But I think the bottom line is that you know he's, he's doing well for the raw. He seems to be the focal point of attack. But um, yeah, let's just hope that his future is settled sooner rather than later.
2: And the raw side is built for Jamie McLaren to score goals as well. The way they attack is set up specifically for him, or so a striker be, in yeah, that similar Yeah, mold. It would be. A strange decision for him to leave, in all truth, because see, it's me, hard to see another team setting it up as well for him as it is here at the Raw.
1: The only way that I can actually see them agreeing to releasing him in January is if he just says, look, I'm going one way or another. You can either pay me to you know, go through the next six months, months in a malaise. And I don't think McLaren is that type of player. I feel like he's a professional enough to say, well... This is where I'm playing right now. I'm going to put my all into it.
0: I actually think that you know, if the only way he's going to leave in January, between in the January transfer window, is if the Raw actually gets some compensation from the, by the way of a transfer fee or something. Like he won't be going to another A-League club in January, but he may go overseas and you know, who knows, come back if it doesn't work out. But that's, I think that's the only way he won't be playing for the Raw sort of post February one or wherever it is.
2: Yeah, I really hope he stays because I mean, they Raw got him for a free transfer. I mean, I don't think the money would be re- a transfer fee would be reinvested in the club. i would just be happy just to see him... Play out his deal, and if he goes on a free, so be it. Preferably,
1: as long as it's overseas. Yeah. But do you wonder if maybe this uh, these transfer rumours are a response to the FFA rejecting the Wanderers' reported move for <laughs> former Arsenal striker Eduardo? We're just going to touch on this quickly because, okay. well, I'm an Arsenal fan, and I wanted to bring it in.
2: Did you want to see him as a former, as an Arsenal fan, see Eduardo playing? Yeah, because
1: I honestly feel like until he got his leg snapped in two, he was, you know, going on the right was path. That Shawcross, he did. No, that Shawcross did Ramsey. It yeah. was against Birmingham.
2: Oh, that's Uh, right, the Birmingham one. Yeah, now I remember, yep.
1: Where I think they blew a 2-2 lead and you could see like William Gallas violently ill on the pitch (laughs) and it was a gruesome injury.
2: Yeah, and with Eduardo, the thing is we've seen marquees like Shinji Ono, Emil Heskey, even Luis Garcia. Those three and Eduardo compare very well. if If you're a fan of the club that they played for, you're going to want to see him play. So I think he would have brought something. It's just... He's not a Tim Cahill or an Del Pierre, and if that's the standard we're going for now, I think we're going to be disappointed a lot of the time.
1: And I can say, honestly, as an Arsenal fan, I saw a fair few comments afterwards. You know, it might have only been 100 people, but that still might be 100 that wouldn't go to the A-League regularly turning up going, well,
0: you know, he could have been great, but circumstances got in the way. Look, I just think at the end of the day, the FFA, once again, have just dropped the ball on this completely. And, you know what, they need to actually, bless them...
1: (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, so while Adam's just choking up a lung or something. He's only only
2: 32 as well, Eduardo. It's not like he's past it. He's still got plenty to offer, particularly in a league like the A-League.
1: And look, in all honesty, at that age, and he has missed a fair bit of time with that leg injury, so it's not like he's got, you know, 60-odd games per season for a couple of years while he was out injured. So Adam, what were you saying? I'll
0: start again. You now nearly choked to death. Um, look, I just think the FFA need to actually tell the clubs and the fans what the actual criteria are for a marquee, you know, a marquee signing that you know has that. You now the FFA are going uh, to going to subsidise. You know, it's at the end of the day. You know, if if the standard is you know the whole the whole pub test thing and all that, it's not going to work because at the end of the day, we're not going to get marquees. I can guarantee you, the five six players that every single person knows. That you know that they they don't follow the support the casual supporters. We're not going to get them in the A League. So at the end of the day, there has to be some criteria, and maybe playing for a club like Arsenal, actually having you know 60 appearances, or playing for one of the four big leagues, should be enough to to at least you know get them a run. You know, and it may not be the full amounts, but but yeah, like so, I think they just, there just needs to be more clarification from the from the FA about what is an actual marquee, but you know. You're just no one on the list for him.
2: All right, Scott, quickly. it's to Adam's point, I mean, he might, Eduardo might not bring in the casual sports fan, but he would bring in the the casual football fan who only watches, say, the Premier League because they would all recognise Eduardo, and it would bring in Arsenal fans as well. And we saw with Luis Garcia last year, there were a number of Liverpool supporter groups popping up. I know it's not the look you want, but if it gets people in the gates, it's commercially viable for a club. I mean, I don't know why. And they've
1: got to find a way to yeah. keep those play those fans coming in.
2: And you never know, they might become... Fans of that club afterwards, you never
1: know. Especially with the finishes the Raw have. Yeah. You never know. All right, so we're going to go on to a modified mailbag segment here, where we're going to dig deeper into one big storyline, which seems to come up at this time every year. Mm. The issue of Suncorp Stadium, which, as you can tell by the groans, is going to be a very popular topic. Okay. So Friday night, we also... Just how poor the pitch can be, and that turned out to be the lead story from the game. It was really disappointing seeing all of these people, you know, commenting that that really ruined the game. So for me, it's really not what the A-League should be hoping for and Philip McHale wrote a great article for SBS about how teams that share their grounds are getting completely screwed over by poor ground conditions and high rent. A couple of talking points that came out of that. The Roar reportedly paying 140 to 200000 per week, or per game, depending on the interest. Surely there's got to be some sort of minimum quality of surface provided there.
2: I think you'll find there is. It's just what is the minimum standard required? I mean, because if that's it, then that's not good enough. So if you look think, at that, I mean, it's it's yeah. patchy. It's clear, clearly redone the part where the stage was, but I can't see how that was an acceptable standard of pitch. I
0: because can't I, either. I think what's actually even you now adding fuel to the fire is the on on SunCorp Stadium's Facebook page the almost you know, almost insulting, patronising posts about oh it meets a standard and all that. I think that's really firing up sort of the local the sort of you know the football fans saying if that if that is acceptable then you now what is you know and, that's, and that I think is a lot of it. There are a lot of side issues that you now are beyond control, but I think that sort of, you know, trying to almost preach down and say, oh, this, oh, that we've done testing and this and that.
2: Well, I have, oh, to, do, I have to do testing. I know it's an FFA mandated test on a match day to make sure the ball is rolling. Which it probably rolled fine, but it's yeah. not the look you want for a professional league.
1: And what about the footing? Like you saw, was it Tyson and Theo both slipping yeah. on their goal kicks?
2: And and that was on the newly laid surf as well.
1: Yeah, and Tommy Orr actually took up a huge chunk of that. In, I think it was the third minute. And my friends and I all looked at each other and went, oh, that's not going to be great for the rest of the game. And you know, something we, like the Australian football fans, really criticise the other Asian nations for, are poor field conditions in World Cup qualifiers, this is our Premier Club competition. How exactly is that going to look? And we're saying, oh, we couldn't play on the glue pot in Jordan or whatever, but... We're turning out the cow pit for.
2: Well, we turned out a cow pit for the Asian Cup up here as well. There was zero. I don't know what went wrong with the Asian Cup, but it was by far the worst field. Blame Coldplay. But no, it's not. <laughs> can we just can we just rule that out? It's not Coldplay and Chris Martin that did this. It's the promoters oh, sorry, and stadium management. It's promoters and stadium <laughs> management who've um, created the situation and not fixed it. So, but
1: in that same regard, also like the Queensland government, who does own yeah. Suncorp Stadium, Is they're it run well by with...
2: AEG, by the way. At least a- AEG, I think, is it? Entirely
1: remember. possible. But yeah, okay, whoever's running it, they make a lot of money from those concerts. And, yeah. and they're well within their right to say, look, this isn't just a sports venue, it's a sports and entertainment That's venue. That's
2: been the big change of the last decade, stadiums so
1: going down that path. Yeah, well, they've worked out they can get more compared to filling out the 13,000 entertainment centre at Boondle, and it is a central location.
0: Oh, look, I think at the end of the day, you know, we focus on the whole sort of entertainment versus sports of application. Other stadiums, I think what people sort of are very quick to point out is, you don't have this issue with, with you know, with other stadiums, like Amy Park, you know, ANZ Stadium in Sydney. Now a lot of these other stadiums are having these concerts and are be able to recover. It seems to be a problem that's acutely sort of synonymous with Suncorp Stadium.
1: And is it the climate of Brisbane, the groundskeepers or whatever? Because we have had quite a lot of rain in the last few weeks, so...
2: Yeah, because I did hear a story that it's apparently the winter grass is dying off and the summer grass is supposed to be growing, it's not growing, and this is the same thing every year, but I don't understand... It all of a sudden becomes perfect in rugby league season, which will be actually interesting because you mentioned the Bieber concert in March. I mean, that's peak season for rugby league, rugby union and the A-League, but luckily there's a 10-day window. From the end of that, there's a 10-day window where none of the three sporting teams are playing in Brisbane. So maybe, just maybe we might be, get lucky on it for the next one.
1: But you do mention those other sports. And like the other cities, I mean, with the A-League, they've all got an alternate, oh, got, got an alternate venue to go to. You yeah. saw Sydney FC take mm-hmm. their game to ANZ yeah. when Allianz was booked out. In Brisbane, what have we got? We've got Skill Park at yeah. Rabina or Ballymore. That's a
2: good point you bring up. Because that was the last one I wanted to make with solutions. You've got a long-term solution, which... Is you have to find a second stadium in Brisbane, whether it's a stadium for like a small stadium for sporting events or smaller concerts or whatever other events you want, and then just, but that's the long-term solution. The short-term one is I think you got to go back to last year. The all played three road games in, in New South Wales: played the Mariners, Newcastle, and the Wanderers, and they had the, the um, regional game in Cairns. You don't have to go to Cairns every year. But if you play one game on the Gold Coast or at Ballymore or something, or go to Toowoomba, yeah, just don't play at Suncorp in December and. Allow the pitch to recover because it's not the best. We shouldn't be forced to have our home ground for this every year. But it is what it is. We have to make do. And if that's what we have to do in the short term, well, that's what we have to do.
1: Well, that is a perfect segue into our mailbag question that Adam's brought to our attention. It's from Jason Hale. who He says, I think the Raw need to do better marketing to get bums on seat at Suncorp or drop ticket prices. They've only managed to break even so far to make ends meet to pay for their rent. I think they need a new stadium of their own, 22000 the raw need to start asking sporting government uh, for help to make this happen. Adam, would you agree?
0: Oh, as I as I responded to so, to Jason on this um, when he brought it up, I think it's a is a long term sort of solution and a short term solution. Obviously, a long term solution is you know an alternate venue, but that's something that that's not going to change under this government and perhaps not the next government. So we're we're looking you know maybe six seven eight years ten years down the track. But I think I think a lot as well. You now you've got to also. And, and the interesting point from this, this question is that I guess one, you know, precedes the other because, you know, if you're not getting more than 15000 to Suncorp saying which is, you know, look, we all agree it's the best facility, you know, that there is.
2: Best rectangular facility in yeah, Australia. Yeah, exactly. When it's run properly with proper grass, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the, exactly. And, and the, thing is, the thing is that if we're only getting that much, what point? at what point can you convince the government, can you convince the voters, the taxpayers, at the end of the day, to say, oh, we need to build a new stadium for the Brisbane Raw, and until we get bums on seats and you know and getting 25, 30, 000 on a regular basis, it's a very, very tough argument to make for the to, for, for, to, to make to the government. Because at the end of the day, we are you know, over a barrel on this. Like yeah. we we don't have any leverage until we get that leverage. It's going to be tough. But I think the marketing does need to improve significantly, and I think and hopefully the second team might change that.
2: Just very quickly, I mean, there was a time when the Raw were not getting breaking even at Suncorp, so we should be grateful they are at the moment. But on his point about the stadium and leverage, I think you're going to have to get more than just the Raw. Because you look at the new stadium in Melbourne, that's kind of the blueprint, but you had the, the, the um, Melbourne Stormer playing in that, the Melbourne Super Rugby team, whose name I've blanked on at the moment. Rebels. Rebels. Rebels, yeah, and yep. then you've got, got the victory, and then Melbourne City came. So you've got four tenants. Even the other, the other stadium on the Gold Coast, for example, you had the Gold Coast Titans, and there was talk at the time the A-League was coming. So they had two tenants. I mean, if it's only for the Raw... I don't think it's going to happen. You've got to get another tenant, whether it's a second rugby league team, the Reds, a second A-league team, something. You have to get another tenant for it. Otherwise, it's, it's a complete non-starter.
1: And honestly, like when they rebuilt Suncorp Stadium back in, what was it, 2001, yeah. I think? That, like the big key for Suncorp, which I believe, and I believe one of the reasons, it won over the redeveloped Echo Show. Was to get ground.
2: all the, the teams in the one area. Well, and
1: also just because it's a perfectly central yeah. location because... Like, you've got all that transport there. You've got the bus hub underneath. You've got the train stations either side. Whereas, you know, you consider probably the next best stadium in Brisbane is Ballymore. And that's not... It's
2: a drive-to place, really.
1: Yeah, you might be able to catch a bus to the hospital nearby and maybe work out something with the RNA showgrounds Mm -hmm. for access there. But overall, it just... It's not really what we need. And it is frustrating to see that because... You want to see the A-League putting out its best product week after week, and instead we're stuck with players falling over.
2: Yeah, I mean, a small stadium would also make the crowd look so much better, because 13 or 15,000 in a 52,000-seat stadium, it just looks bad. And Because I mean, the, the Royal fans have been fantastic with everything that's happened, to ter- still be turning up in those numbers. Because if you take out the Derby crowds, they're actually right up there with the best in the league. So to still be there, and everything that's happened is fantastic, but it just looks bad in a 52,000 seat stadium if we had something a bit smaller it would be fantastic
1: and that goes back to my whole optics argument where it's all well and good to have 15,000, 16,000 or 13 as it was yeah. on Friday but you know when they're only filling out say 30% of a stadium
0: it's not a good look no look no, no matter which way you pitch it you know and also as well like it's as you said you know you put 13,000 even even 13,000 in a 20 seat stadium it sounds fantastic you know Wanderers prove that to a point with with uh with uh, when it, before they redeveloped that, and and quite frankly that's the one thing I think I think we as supporters that get unfairly maligned by those down south who have probably never been to Suncorp but understand yeah. the issues that we face up here. Well,
2: they've been for a big final and that's it.
0: Yeah, they said that. You know what? It is the ground. It's not that the our supporters are you know they don't make a sound. They, they do make lo- lots of sound. It's just the problem is that it's such a cavernous stadium that it gets lost. It gets lost in the whole sort of you know who are of things.
2: So just one more quick point yep. about the political pressure they could put on. I mean, the raw had to go all the way to Logan to get a training facility. So I yeah. think we need to kind of understand that putting political pressure on in the city of Brisbane may not be within our capabilities right now.
1: And also, one thing I saw Mark Kingsman post the other, i believe it was him—saying he's been desperately trying to get the premier to show yes, up to, sure. yeah, trying to get the premier to show up to a raw mm-hmm. game, but she's refused every time, which will make voters on one side of the aisle very happy. But <laughs> no. um, it's just it doesn't really work now. The only thing I will say also with all of the stuff going on at the moment with the bid for a second A league team... Uh, there's ba- an
2: election next year as well potentially as well oh, so God, not no but you no, but it could be it could be a good time to launch the issue if you can get it up and running
1: yeah. but with like everyone saying you know Perry Park should be the next venue but are the strikers really going to want to help out the raw if they're saying all right we want to be the next team into Brisbane uh, but you know, we're going to have both of us playing out of the same venue. I can't see them wanting to do that.
0: You, you'd hope that behind closed doors there should be some sensibility, but if you get your, the sense from the fans and sort of talk chat on social media is that now what the strikers would rather, you know, despite everything that the raw have done just to get to save their own sort of and play their own agendas. So, look, I think outward looking, no, probably, I think they, they think Perry Park is theirs. Now, any hope again redeveloped it would be on them actually being in the A-League.
2: Well, this is back to the point I mentioned earlier. I mean, if they're going to try and do it with one tenant, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah, I think they have to struggle with it. Aren't they going to Ipswich anyway? The Western Brisbane strikers. Who knows? Anyway, that's that a was just point. a thought that
1: popped into my head. Anyway, we're going to leave that as a final say on this yep. topic. But I'm sure this debate will come up again and again and again and again over the In life March, of the Brisbane basically. Football yep. Review. <laughs> yep, and I'm sure we'll have some things to say about Justin Bieber <laughs> there too. All right, so we're going to be back with a special interview for segment three. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review.
2: You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by
3: Outside90.com.
0: Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
1: Alright, welcome back to the Switch 1197 studios. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. And we have our very first interview right now about a big story from the club last week. In an email to its members on Thursday night, the Raw helped to announce the establishment of the Raw Supporters Foundation. Joining us in the studio today is Woz Brown. Thanks for coming in today, Woz. You're welcome, guys. All right, so first of all, can you give us a bit of a guide to what the Raw Supporters Foundation is and what you hope to achieve?
3: Um, its it base level, it's a supporters club. It, it is that simple, right? I talked to fans over the last year or two, uh, and everybody said, look, we need, we need something, right? Um, And I was one of those. I was just saying, look, we do need something, right? We've got the bankers. We've got management issues. We've got issues on and off the field. And I just, like most people, went, yeah, we should do something. But I didn't do anything. So this last winter, I I, I basically came to the end of my tether. And I said, well, actually, we should do something. And if no one's going to do it, I'll do it. So I started a process of talking to quite a few people. Uh, I went to the guys at Follow that uh, Daniel Cobb used. Uh, they did a lot of research with fans, did a lot of interviews. I went to talk to them and said, what can you tell me? Um, they were very good. They gave their time for free. So out of that um, came the concept of a raw supporters federation, right, which is designed really just to create a voice for the fans. it's
2: yeah, a fantastic idea was, what role did the club play in setting this up?
3: Uh, look, very little. Um, it, it, they've really been very, very helpful, uh, but I didn't expect that. Um, the, the, the one thing about a supporters club is it should be independent. Right? It, 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 it has to be independent. If you, if you think there's four groups to any football club, right? there's the owners, there's the management and there's the players. Yeah? The fourth group is the fans. Yeah, the other three are all organised, the fans aren't. Right? So the idea is to try and bring those four together if we can, but by, by giving the fans a significant voice. So it's independent of a club. Um, but I had an issue when I was setting it up over the last few weeks. is How did I get to the fans? Uh, And the the, the people that's got the biggest database, of course, is Brisbane Royal Football Club. They've got a database of 55,000 people. So uh, I went knocking on Mark Kingsman's door and I said, can you give me access? Um, And they were very helpful. They said they they wouldn't give me the email database, but they would forward an email on, which is what they did. Sounds good. Well,
0: just with the, um, just going forward, what's involved the club's involvement in the actual Royal Sports Federation?
3: Sorry, what was it, clubs' involvement?
0: The club's involvement
3: going forward, yes. Um... Uh, t- to be honest, not a lot. The the the, the federation needs to stand on its own two feet. That means we, to, to be independent, we've got to find a way of raising money. We've we've got to put a, a coordinating committee in place. It's structured as a not for profit, right? That gives it a legal identity. It's a not profit not for profit members organisation. So we've got to get a committee elected in the next month. Um, the club's role in that is, is is zero, right? Now so far they've been very helpful, right? And and I think they can see the benefit in this right? Obviously, if we get it right, more fans might turn up, right? So you can see why they'd be interested in this. But the the, the, op- the opportunity here is just to create a, a group of supporters and give them a voice.
1: Fair enough. So what exactly
3: is your role within the group? At the moment, um, to structure as a not-for-profit members organisation, you, you have to have a legal identity, right? And, and that has to have one person that's nominated as, as a chairperson. So that's me at the moment, right? That'll be a democratic post, it has to be elected once a year, and that'll be elected in June this year or June next year, um, depending on how we go. But that's my role at the moment, I've now got to identify about five or six volunteers to actually work on there, there's people that's got to look after the money, because I can't touch money until I've got a second person, right, otherwise Woz Brown can go spending the money on, on Woz Brown, right, so I've got to get at least one other person <laughs> in there, um, and then we've got to figure out what else do we want to work on, right?
2: Yep, so
1: I suppose the checks and balances are a little bit important there.
3: Oh, uh, Absolutely.
2: Yeah, can you tell us who else is involved in this at the
3: moment, boys? Um, Just, look, uh, primarily myself and m- probably a group of about six or seven other people that have just contributed ideas and thoughts, but, but, but it's been pushed by myself at the moment, which is a dangerous place to be. If I can't get more people involved, it's just me. So you
0: spoke about volunteers, so what roles were you looking at as far as going forward for the Savings Committee?
3: Well... Part of what I've hesitated on, and I did get picked up on this. I've probably had about a hundred emails from from fans since it went out last week. Um, all of them have been supportive. Ninety-nine percent have basically been offering help, and one or two have, have, have basically thrown questions in, saying, "Well, where's the constitution? Where's this? Where's that?" This really is an attempt to build an organisation from the top down, right, rather than the bottom up. By saying, "Well, here's a group of us. Here's a structure. Here's a committee, and, and, and here's what we're going to do," I've actually come at it from the top and said, "Well." We know the club needs a vision, right? We, we need to contribute. The fans need to contribute to that vision, right? We, we've got rights. We, we don't look like we've got rights over the last seven, eight, ten years. We've been treated as customers, not, not stakeholders, right? Um, you saw the advisory board was formed um, last, last year, I think it was, right? There was no representative from fans on the advisory board. Now, how wrong is that? So I started from the top down by saying, well, here's how I think it should look. The challenge then is, well, what does the organization do? And, and If I take it too far, it becomes my idea, right? And what I want it to become is, is, is the fans' ideas, right? So in terms of what roles do we need, we've got to put some, some roles in there. Like we've, got to, we've got to have a role around treasury. So if we're going to take money in and out, when we are taking sponsors' money at the moment, we've got to have someone that looks after that. I've got to have someone that organizes the, the, the secretarial roles of, of the group. They are legal requirements in terms of how the, the group functions. But then you get into things like membership, Uh, Do we need uh, someone that looks after Sydney? Do we need someone that looks after Melbourne? Do we need someone that looks after Brisbane? What about the W League team? What about the NYL team? So the actual roles that that come forward, I really want who who comes next to define those. There's a couple of obvious ones, but beyond that, then we'll we'll, we'll figure that one out.
1: And how long is that going to take to set up, do you expect?
3: Uh, My my target's the next Wanderers game, and I was... A bit cautious launching it before Christmas, and, and a few people said, well, why do it just before Christmas? Well, I'm begging and borrowing time from people <laughs> that aren't getting paid, including myself, and the easiest time to get them, they said, was we can do it for you the week before Christmas, and we can do it the week after Christmas before we get busy. Like the website, right? That, that, that's gone up as a base website. It's going up as a full website by um, the, the, the second Wanderers game. So I sort of used the two Wanderers games as a bit of a bookend, and there's a good reason for that. One, one of the things that irritates me, if you see my comments online... <laughs> People say, well, oh, wonder have got great fans. Well, they are good fans, but we're great fans. And we get the same average crowd. We always have done. It's just we've got 14,000 in a 52,000-seater stadium. They get 14,000 in a 19,000-seater stadium. It just looks better. So I wanted that as a sort of a framework to say, well, look, we're as good as anyone, so we use those two dates. So,
1: speaking of some of those other fans, like we've got the DEN, they've been the Raw's Active Supporters Group yep. from day one. What sort of involvement are you going to have with them, if any, or is it separate to the Active Support Group?
3: Look, it needs to be separate for a couple of reasons, but one of the early things I did about two months ago is I went to see the DEN. I went to see the leadership team and said, look, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? Um, and, and the reason for that was because there's a lot of effort goes into organising things like this, um, and there's a lot of effort goes into organising the DEN. Um, the DEN, from an active perspective, support perspective, they've got to deal with the police, they've got to deal with the club, they've got to deal with the stadium. So they need to continue doing what they're doing. Um, what they thought this was a good idea was w- they often get referred non-active support questions. So if there's a problem with the club, people go to the den. Right? So the idea is here that we should be able to collaborate and cooperate. And I, I'd like to see going forward that one of the things that we raise money for, for example, would be things like If right? The den's having their annual crusade that they're doing down to Melbourne. Well, we should support that. Right? We're all the same supporters. It just happens to be, and I actually stand in the den. Right, so I'm, I, I stand in three, three, two. But this is not from the den. This is this is separate and alongside the den. Yeah,
2: I think it's a great idea, but what sets this apart, and why should people buy into the idea? The the whole concept of the Royal Supporters Federation. What sets it apart, and why should people buy into it?
3: It's a good question because, and, and, and that's part of the reason why I came top down. Um, if I'd gone bottom up and said, look, th- th- we're going to form a group, we're going to create a constitution, we're going to have some goals. I just didn't think I could get the buy-in, uh, and, and about three, four months ago in, in, in the winter when we had that, the, the latest winter crisis for Brisbane Raw, yeah, I, I actually thought about launching it then, I thought, well, if I launch it then, it, it's gonna, there's going to be negative energy around it, it's going to become more of a protest group than an actual supporters group, right? So I actually went to the top and said, well, talking to the supporters, talking to the guys that follow, that did all that, all that research work with fans, what is it we'll look for, right? So what's going to set it apart really is the goals of the organisation, right? It, it, it's there to get us organised. We're not organised at the moment. It's there to give us a voice. And, and that doesn't mean that we all have to agree, right? You might love the Katy Perry walkout song. You might hate the Kerry Perry walk, walkout song, right? It, it doesn't matter. You're just going to have to find a way of getting along together and working on the important things. I think the big thing that's going to stand it apart is the voice that we're going to get. We're going to push for a place on the advisory board. We're going to push for a place to, put, to elect directors to represent the fans on the management team. And again, if the group wants it, we, we, ha- we have to decide this. I actually think we should take a stake in the, in the club. I think we should own 20 or 30% of the club. Sounds good. You know, that
0: actually was actually going to be my, sort of my point is that going forward, the long term wants the goals, but obviously having a stake in the club and stuff like that sort of inserted the focus. So, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, it's. Good.
3: Yeah, it
1: sounds like a really good idea. I think we're all very intrigued to see what's going to happen to it next. So... Best of luck for the future,
2: guys. Have you got any more
3: questions? great Look, I've got to be honest, I was overwhelmed. Uh, and I really appreciate you fellas giving me a chance to come in and have a chat. But with, within less than 24 hours, you had 1,000 people signing up. Now, why on earth would 1,000 people sign up to someone that they didn't know, that exists online, that said, look, I think this is a good idea. Why don't you join? 1,000 people joined. And I've lost count, right? I don't know how many people. That was, before, that was um, Christmas Eve. Right? Since then, it might have stopped. It might have gone to 2,000. It might have gone to 3,000. Clearly, there's a demand there.
1: And do you see this potentially, you know, having a quick, maybe not a quick fix, but a long-term goal of repairing some of the damaged relations between the club and the fan base?
3: Uh, yes, I do. If, if it doesn't, it would be failing. Um, but that's going to be dependent on two things. It's going to be t- dependent on the club management taking it seriously, and that's why I've been to talk to Mark Kingsman, and, and he's enthusiastic for this and been very cooperative. And it does require that Nermyn Barkery takes it seriously as well. right? If we can get a voice with those two, we're nearly there.
1: All right, sounds good. Woz, thank you very much for your time today. We really appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Best of luck, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again down the line. Perfect, guys, thanks. All right, we'll be back to preview this weekend's Sydney FC game. This is the Brisbane Football Review.
0: You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
1: Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review powered by
2: Outside90.com.
1: And welcome back to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We're here to preview the upcoming weekend's game against Sydney FC. The ladder leaders is going to be very exciting. Guys, before we do that, how can people get in contact with us?
2: So you can listen to us on Audio Boom and iTunes. That's our podcast. We're on, on Switch 1197 and radio. And we've got our social media at Facebook and Twitter as well. You can get in contact with us there. Along with our Gmail email, which is britainfootballreview at gmail.com.
1: I really got to remember that. You should. And what's the password again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So before we do that, we check our phones in between segments, you know, just to make sure there's no major important breaking news. We- With the transfer window coming up, we're going to try and avoid going away with baseless rumours, but for the time being, we'll just uh, try and stick with fact. What do you say, guys? Sound good? Yep. We did see one on Fox Sports that made (laughs) us laugh about Jamie McLaren apparently piquing the interests of Stoke City manager Mark Hughes, so we'll just have to wait and see. Well, Mark Hughes would know a good
2: striker, wouldn't
1: he? Oh, absolutely. I think he's right up there with Tony Pulis when it comes to (laughs) evaluating. (laughs) All right, so Friday, 6.50pm, Allianz Stadium, Brisbane Raw against ladder leaders, Sydney FC. That's
2: 650 our time or New South Wales time?
1: Brisbane time, I okay, believe. Sure. I th- that's one good thing I've noticed. They've actually standardised the broadcast times in the last few seasons. All right, so all-time against Sydney. Uh, played 35, one fifteen, lost 9, drawn 12. At the SFS, one 4, lost 5, drawn 8. Random stats. Scott, do you want to read this one out? or I
2: can't remember what it is, so you might have to.
1: Okay, Demi Petratos has four goals in five games at the home of his former club, three of which came in a Boxing Day hat-trick, if I remember yes, correctly. Yes, it was
2: the last season, the Royal won the double under Mike Mulvey.
0: Yeah, 5-2 five, five, it was. I know because I, know, I, know, I watched the game uh, over the uh, Christmas break with Fox Sports as uh, stars of the A-League.
2: I believe it was two penalties as well, wasn't it?
1: Probably. And I think that's yeah. when everyone went, hang on, what's Demi Petratos doing actually looking competent? <laughs> But that was in the middle of his one of his yep. you know yeah, good yeah, patches. Good so, all right. So, first things first. We had the mailbag question last week. What chance do we give the raw of being the first team to get a win against Sydney FC?
2: Well, based on Boxing Day, I mean, it's kind of slim because Ad- Adelaide were poor, but Sydney were spectacular. But we did see the raw. And I'll get to talk about it in a minute. The raw when they played in was around six or something. They've been,
1: yeah, well, that's they a really did
2: push Sydney FC, and they probably could have won the game in the end. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's close. They're... I don't know if they'll win, though. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute.
1: Now, what I remember from that game is Michael Theo had an insane amount of saves in that first half. The defenders really tried to play out from the back and Sydney pressed high, so maybe if they start Jamie McLaren from the beginning instead of being a halftime sub, they might be able to try and play over the top and get in behind.
0: I think the key to this game may actually be in the last half hour. There's sort of insane stats running around. You know, Fox Sports were broadcasting about, about uh, Sydney's record in the last of 30 minutes, so... I think if if the raw you know can get in front, I think they'll you know, really put pressure on Sydney FC to sort of you know, to find a find an equaliser or find a winner. So I think the key for the raw may be the first thirty minutes, but then we also got to be ward off and you know keep Sydney FC out for the last thirty.
2: We did also see Melbourne City went in front against Sydney FC a few weeks ago, and we saw that Sydney kind of struggled to work away back into it. There was a penalty that they got back into it. But
1: well, one thing you mentioned about the last thirty minutes as well. Consider this, the Roar are basically playing on a full week's rest, whereas yeah, Sydney... Have,
2: rest, Friday to Friday, yeah.
1: And Sydney, I think they played, was it Monday, Monday night, night? yeah. Oh, I've lost track of what day of the week I is know. what.
2: Everything kind of blends together this time of year, doesn't it?
1: It really does, but, you know, the Roar are basically working on almost double the rest, so why not, like, that might play into it at the end of the game.
0: Oh, I think so, and that's, um, again, it's a, it's a case of, that's something that I know the Graham Miles speaks wholly of, is... So you of know, Sydney's fitness, but you know being playing on two days, two uh, two to three days less run in the raw, it could be fairly interesting. You know where that, that claim about being the league's fittest team will actually hold up, because I, I think that's where this game could be won and lost. And, and it's gonna be really yeah.
2: well tested actually, because this is at Adelaide, Adela- Allianz Stadium or what it's Allianz Stadium. Yeah, it's um the first game there since the concerts as well. So we don't oh know what. Not. I know we've talked enough about yeah, bad yeah, playing yeah. surface today, but be nice, it, it could be nice a heavy pitch. Off, it may like. not. If recover, we don't know. I haven't seen it, but... And I wonder what the weather's doing in Sydney at the
1: moment because I saw something... Like, I know in Melbourne it's quite warm, so we could wind up seeing... If it is a heavy pitcher,
2: that would play into the Roar's favour because they've had a full week's rest as well, so... And a bit of a heat wave, you never yeah.
0: know. And we seem to also have a very good record on a heavy pitch in Sydney this time of year as well. I'll take your word for that.
1: OK, so let's get right down to the nitty-gritty we've got. Well, which Sydney player do you think is most, uh, most worries you? Oh,
2: jeez, have we... You cut this up so many different ways. You've got Bros, Kolosko, Ninkovic, and that's just three. Any one of them is a danger. And if you focus on one of them, someone else will get you. It's what we've talked about with Melbourne City in the past when you've got and Roly Cahill, etc. You can't focus on one. You've got to focus on all of them.
1: After this, I'm going to say... After last time, I'm going to say Josh Berlante
0: because yeah. his strike was really good in that
1: last Well, you have got
2: game. to watch out for him if you're on the attack because he'll just ha- hack you down, so... <laughs>
0: I actually think the, uh, the key to all, I think, and what we're seeing now is, is Milos Ninkovic. I think he, he's the one that sort of drives it. He's the playmaker. Shut him down. Sydney seems to struggle a little bit. Look, they've got, you know, they've got a multitude of attacking weapons, but it seems to all run through Ninkovic. So I think them and whoever you know, Arnold decides to play between that, that defensive screen three of, you know, of Dimitrovic, uh, O'Neill and Brilante, that I think that battle in midfield is going to be the key to everything.
2: And watch out for Matt Simon's elbows, too. They're dangerous. (laughs) Of course.
0: All right, so
1: we've had a pretty busy show, so I think we're going to move on to wrapping it up now. A-League fixtures coming up this weekend, so you've got Sydney and Brisbane on Friday, as we've already mentioned. Central Coast, Melbourne City on Saturday night, New Year's Eve. Then New Year's Day, you've got Wellington, Adelaide, and Western Sydney versus Perth. Perth I think the polite way to call it is the hungover blockbusters there. (laughs) I remember when the Raw played on New Year's Day a few years ago, and that was possibly yeah. the deadest crowd I've ever heard at Suncorp. They
2: played New Year's Eve once as well, too.
1: The New Year's Eve was actually good, though, because you could tell everyone was sort of turning it into a, you know, we're going to go to the Raw and then on to our New Year's celebrations.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it was Melbourne Victory, I think that was... yeah. yeah. Because yeah, a lot of people obviously proximity to Suncorp, same to South Bank obviously is a good seller
1: and also from memory that was the one that ended their losing streak because it was New Year's Eve twenty eleven right. twelve and when Broach was out injured. Yep. Anyway, so then Monday night uh, game is going to be Melbourne victory against
0: Newcastle. Yep, yeah, that one by the way is in Geelong.
1: Again, okay. Or is that are they playing in Geelong now or
0: no? No, they're aim park tonight, but Geelong, okay. Geelong on when's that Monday?
1: We have actually moved into, you know, weird sort of live, <laughs> semi-live thing where the Melbourne Victory are actually playing right now while we're recording. Have anyone got any goal updates on that? Uh, no. No. Can't imagine you'd want to get an update on Melbourne Victory anyway. So, <laughs> all right, so let's go around the league prediction. Scott, you can lead us off this week.
2: I'm really not sure what to make it this round, so I'll just stick with um, the the boxing, the New Year's recovery blockbuster, you call it, the <laughs> Western Sydney and Perth. I think both of those two teams need to start winning games if they're going to... Really challenged this year, and I think that's the game to watch.
0: Adam? I think the game Geelong between Melbourne Victory and Newcastle I think might be one to watch. I think this will be a good test for Newcastle, to see whether they're sort of you know, fifth-place credentials or sort, of, you know, sort of as far as you know, where they are compared to the top four, because I, I really think the top four have cleared right out, and this might be sort of the final so guess as far as where Newcastle and the rest of the chasing pack are in relation to that top four. And I'm going to say that Central Coast are going to upset Melbourne City.
2: That'd be nice. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: All right, so, and I'm also going to move us on to our Raw-specific predictions, and I'm going to say we're going to have another 1-1 draw.
2: I'm also going with a 1-all draw.
0: Well, we can go free spins because I'm saying the same.
2: (laughs) (laughs) they are all kind of need to win to keep the premiership race alive given the gap, but just the draw seems to be the most logical result here. I hope I'm
0: wrong. Sydney as well, they they look look too good at the moment. I think they're going to need some injuries. That's before, you know, we're really sort of conceivably seeing them getting beat.
1: I do think Sydney are going to lose at some point. I would not be surprised if it's next time they come to Suncorp.
2: Oh, they're not going unbeaten. That's just yeah. not happening.
1: All right, that's going to do it for episode 13 of the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for your time, guys. Yep, yeah. James. Thanks, James. All right, and a big thanks to Woz Brown from the Raw Supporters Foundation for joining us as well. I promise not to make a talk to you next year joke. You just did. I didn't make the joke. I just said I promise not to make it. Instead, we'll be back next a week on a Tuesday because, Scott, you have tennis tickets. Yep. So enjoy the football in the meantime. Everyone have a happy new year. We'll see you next week.
2: Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a
0: thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities.
3: Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.